Are you on a forklift? Yeah, I am. All right, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It is another post-match podcast. Lazio getting the job done against Juventus. Juventus, a soft Juventus, a soft Juventus, in my opinion. And we're going to talk about it. We got a packed house today. Lucci, we got Lou. And we have L'Arbitro Nick, okay? Referee Nick join us for the first time. Nick Cardone, our friend. And uh, yes, everybody, I wasn't just making him up, okay? All right, so here we go. Um, before we get into all the good stuff, obviously, we'll say what's up to everybody in the live chat. And yes, Bona Pasqua to everybody, okay? So happy Easter. Thank you for all the well wishes from everybody, even this guy, um, Mr. Skanga here. The worst. So he's uh, expecting a beauty today, especially how our uh, chat was and whatnot. So we'll see uh, where everybody uh, fits in here. But yes, Bona Pasca, Atuti, okay. Lot to cover in this game. 2-1 defeat at the hands of Lazio. We were talking about score lines going into this one, and Juve had a good chance, again, to take advantage after some shortcomings on those other ones. And yes, we have Sweet Lou with us today. Having to deal with the kit that he has to get Jeremiah after Rabio has accomplished the double-digit goals on a season. So, Lou, that didn't even sink in for you, did it? No, because what happened was Sandro flopped in the box, and I was still, you know, kind of reeling about that. And then the chat went off, and I realized that we had scored. But <laughs> I still, I was still raging about that. So I didn't even have time to, like, make a number 25 joke. Like, just, Oh, man, man. Yeah, yeah in Lou's mind, it was 2-0. Uh, it was 2-0. Mm-hmm. It doesn't count yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the the Raphael goals. We lost 2-0 and we played with 10 men yesterday. I, I <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. We are going to tackle everything. And there was definitely some talking points that uh, uh, Nick can speak to um, with the actual rules in sight and give clear uh, explanations. So we're going to do all that. Real, for, real quick, just the housekeeping out of the way. Um, for everybody that's listening on your audio outlets, head over to YouTube. That's where you get the match day lives. The watch alongs. Thank you to everybody who's in the watch along. That was actually awesome and enjoyable. We had some uh, wicked numbers on that one, and I still get a ton of good feedback afterwards. People watching the replays and actually uh, just listening to me for the commentary. So thank you for the support on that. Everybody else uh, for ways to support the channel. Obviously, we have membership set up now. So if you choose to, that's one way. The other is uh, the merch. All right. And uh, we got Lucci rocking uh, the AJC Ultras tee. And even referee Nick with the Amici di Nessuno. And that has been clearly evident that that's the case that Juve is facing this season. All right. But there's a lot of ways to support. Thank you to everybody who has already done so. All right. Really means a lot. And we appreciate the continued support. Now... Without further ado, let's get to uh, the goods and uh, what was Lazio versus Juventus. The 11 for Juve, Chesney, Gatti, Bremer, Sandro, Quadrado, Fagioli, Locatelli, Rabio, Kostic, Di Maria, and Vlaovic. Hard to find any issues with that lineup. Our best midfield three, Quadrado on the right, Dicilio had the flu, so did his father, uh, Massimiliano. <laughs> And then, uh, so run, you know, family flu right now. And then uh, at the back, 
Um, Danilo getting a day of rest. But we end up having to get uh, Danilo into the game. So we're going to talk about that as well. All right. But did anybody here on the panel have any issues with that lineup? No. Not really. No. And there were talks about fans coming into this game that maybe we shouldn't have started Vlaovic. Did anybody feel that way? Can I say I feel that way now? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we'll get into it whatnot. But did anybody in this particular match sit, was thinking along thought, those lines? Because there have been fans saying we should start Milik and whatnot. I thought he was going to get rested. Not necessarily like for like tactical reasons that he would have got dropped. I just thought maybe with like the way the schedule is towards the mm -hmm. end, like maybe he would get rested. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Nick, were you okay with Vlaovic getting in there? Yeah, definitely. You're playing Lazio, second place in the league. Why wouldn't you put in your guy? Simple as yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And Ramo, to my point, is one that said Milik should have started. But is that just uh, hindsight? Or did we truly feel that way from the beginning? I think, uh, you know, there's definitely this talk, and I said it in the Match Day Live, about when a guy's going through something, you usually look for indicators of exactly like is it more mental or whatnot and if i'm looking at the vlavic situation i think it's highly mental and for that if you pull him out you might it might go even further backwards like in terms of uh getting him like on track again but we might have reached that point everybody and we are definitely going to talk about uh dushan but let's go through the highlights really quick here. Lazio get uh, things started uh, early. Luis Alberto um, hammering one in the fourth minute, but luckily right at Chesney handles it easily. 13th minute. This was pissing me off because this happened quite a bit in the first half, but like Fajoli gives up the ball and I don't even know what he's doing because he stops playing. Mm -hmm. He just has his arms up, stops playing. He, we you just literally gave it up to a Lazio player and he's running back at our defense. Um, luckily, through all the dribbling and Sergei Milinkovic Savic almost carving us as he's right about to fire and Bremer intervenes with a huge intervention. But that was pissing me off because they just looked not focused and not sharp that early into a game, 13 minutes in. Um, wild to me. 28th minute. Anderson flips one over the head uh, of our defense. Immobile actually does well to hit this one. Chesney uh, makes a good stop there. And then we get to the 37th minute. Zakani on Lazio's left flank cuts inside, ends up putting a po uh, cross back post. Sergei Milinkovic Savic is there. You see a little bit looking at it live. I was like, oh man, you've got to be sure. You got to be damn sure. Watching the replays, man. Sandro goes down, hits the deck, a very easy trap and goal for Sergei Milinkovic Savic. And Juventus is 1 0 down. We're all left wondering what the hell is going on now. Before we get to referee Nick, on replay, after I saw the replay, I was pissed off with alexandro i saw on social media there's a lot of people that were like what juve's getting screwed and stuff like yeah sandro needs to man up there was barely any of barely any amount of a shove and i thought he still could have made the play on the ball so for me 
it's not a call. Lucci, was it a call for you? No. Too Ooh. soft. Call for ne you? It, it's not. Yeah. Live chat. You guys can get your feelings in here. And referee Nick, before you give us the explanation and your thoughts on this play, one that uh, statement I saw continuously on Twitter is that it doesn't matter how soft or whatnot because the arm was extended. There was a clear push. I'm going to let you do your stuff now and speak to this moment and this play. Yeah, so when I first saw the goal and I saw Sandro go down and all the Juve players going to protest, my immediate thought was, okay, that's a low-risk foul. If there's any type of contact there, you know, first thought as a referee is just blow the whistle immediately, get out of there quick before the ball even goes in the net. Um, then looking at the replays, um, I think you summed it up there. Um, we see an arm extended on Alexandro, okay? Um, and it actually, I actually like how you just brought up that point. Um, it doesn't matter. It's a clear push. Um, but that's the thing. I don't think that's a clear push there. It players, we see players with their arms in the penalty area all the time, using their arms to get space. Um, and I think in this case, the key word here is the contact was considered to be negligible. Negligible is the key word. Um, just because you touch a player a little bit doesn't mean it's a foul. Not all contact is bad contact. Um, the referee on the field has to decide, was that arm extended what really put Sandro on the ground? All right? Yeah. Um, I Only the referee on the field can decide that. Um, that's not VAR material. If the referee judges that contact, that's all we can that's all we can consider um yeah and i and yeah. i actually completely agree with the bedlo there um there was no clear and obvious error there um it just looks like malinkovic is absorbing the contact um and it was extremely negligible yeah is uh, is that one of those moments you think uh a few refs call it the other way um, I could see how some would, um, but I'll be honest. I think that's the difference between a great referee and one and a referee um, who's you know okay. Um, sometimes you got to take that risk, not make the call. And I think Dibelo right here, this was actually his best moment in the match. He's like, no, I'm not giving it. I'm not bailing you out, Alexandro, just for a little touch. And you decided to throw yourself on the floor there. Yeah. Yeah, I looked at it in that manner. He could still have played, made that play, got out of it and whatnot, and he chose to jump right out of the picture is what it is. Now, if I could just say one thing on that, uh, that whole play, like it was very similar to the non-call on Kostic. Yeah. So it's like that wasn't a foul either. I think fans, they just get like one bad call on Bremer in Europa League and they're like, oh, it's called all the time. It's like, no, no, no. It's like it's like a one in a hundred kind of thing. So yeah. like I agree, like it's a non-call. Like, yeah. Now to, to VAR, because people are like, well, he's got VAR and whatnot. They can't step in on this one. Right, Nick? No, absolutely not. No. Um, VAR and fans still don't understand this. People say, why don't you just go look at it? No, we don't use VAR to make a call. 
we use VAR to fix clear and obvious errors. And that was not a clear and obvious error. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, sums that up uh, right there. So UV falls down 1-0. We also have in this first half a challenge from Manuel Locatelli. And this one could have been red card. I thought Locatelli on the replay. At the first live watch, I was like, oh, that's not terrible. After seeing the replay, I was like, man, maybe Loka's very, very lucky there to not see red. Uh, Nick, how about that challenge? Yeah, so there are four specific things for a criteria for, in this case, it would be called serious foul play. So serious foul play is when you attempt to play the ball um, but do so in an excessive or dangerous manner. Um, so the four considerations are we have an extended leg, all right? He definitely extends his leg. We see his leg go out, all the way extended. Next, we have studs. Absolutely, hits him with studs. The next is location, um, usually anywhere above the ankle. We're nearing red, um, and we know um, that was definitely... <laughs> Got a call coming in. Uh, yeah, no, all good. I'll, uh... yeah, so sorry about that. Um, but we have um, a challenge above the ankle, on the knee. Yeah. It can be considered dangerous. The key component to serious foul play is excessive force. All right. Did the opponent play the, try, attempt to play the ball in an excessive manner, or was the speed of play excessive? All right. Here is, I think, is the point where he gets bailed out. Um, he wasn't sprinting full speed and going in for a challenge. He took a heavy touch and kind of made a lunge. At yeah. Um, and that's, I think, what really saved him. However, extended leg, you're hitting all those points solid, especially right at the knee. If he pulls the red card out, you know, VAR is not intervening. I don't think mm -hmm. it'd be a scandal. So it would have been supportable, a red there, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Great, great explanation. Lucci, Lou, were you guys concerned for Loka on that challenge? I mean, I've seen worse worse challenges than that not get red, so I wasn't overly concerned about that. I was more concerned about our play throughout the entire half. Never well, mind yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like if he would have got a red there, that kind of summed up the first half for Juventus. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. the referee thought, uh, like he didn't want to like disrupt the flow of like the match, giving the red there, like, yeah, I don't know. yeah, um, and that's another key thing. Um, referees do think about, especially at the highest level. Um, if you look to, there really wasn't that much protest on Lazio's side, and there mm -hmm. really weren't too many hard fouls. So, yeah. Dibello's threshold for a yellow at that point. I think was still pretty high. So to pull the red, he felt like, you know what? This is an important game. I'm only pulling this red if this is a hundred percent. Do we yeah. think if that's in the second half or something like, you know, along the 60 or 70 mark, that's a red. I think it depends on the types of fouls that are being committed in the game. It's not necessarily the game situation. It's more how, the course of the game was going in terms of fouls and misconducts. Because yeah. it's like once you give that red, like you start like a precedence, right? Yeah, so that, exactly. Exactly. You have to like start giving cards more. 
Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. So now we get to uh, to Alex Juve's point here about after the goal, Juve played the best football of the whole match until we tied. Why can't we play like that the whole game? Well, Juve presses and really gets after it after going 1-0 down. They're rewarded through a corner kick. Bremer again getting to this thing, hammering it down. Rebound bounces off Rabio. He takes not one but two hits at this thing. Gets it over the line. Okay. Wins Jeremiah a kit. Lou's gotta buy it. We don't even notice that. We're wild wild times. I lost my mind on the watch along with this goal because we finally tied and it's like, okay, now we can wake up and play, but we go into halftime and see if we can make it happen in the second. Come out of here one one, but Lazio made us look absolutely awful in the first half. Okay. Um, absolutely dreadful first half. I will say this credit where credit is due because based on the last times we played Lazio, we rendered them toothless, but Lazio did a good job of flooding our midfield. And when we hit one of the flanks, they overloaded it and Juve could not figure out a solution. And we had a number of guys that in my opinion were pretty flat, pretty flat in terms of effort and work rate and that just made an ugly, ugly half of football for Juve. We're going to go through second half highlights so that we can hit all the talking points and get everybody's view on this entire game. But I think this is unanimous, guys. Brutal first half. Unacceptable first half. Yeah. There's nothing more really to say, right? It was, it was like as bad as an AJC episode with Luca on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Luca here. Look at this Catching guy. What a, what a pick, though, eh? Rocking the DJ pick now. Look at that guy. Oh, man. Jeez. All right. Luca, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a true AJC show without a couple of Luca digs in there. So you know what, you know what's coming. Luca's so. doing his, his Easter egg hunt right now. Leave him alone, guys. Yeah, he's got to focus. He's got to focus. All right. Now, Second half, okay, 53rd minute, and uh, worked up the pitch very, very quickly uh, for Lazio. Sandro can't stop the cross in, and then you see a little bit of an error there in communication. Cuadrado is caught between Luis Alberto and Zaccagni because Gatti has followed his man all the way, basically taking him right next to Bremer. So because of that... Little bit of an issue. Cuadrado steps in to Luis Alberto, which I honestly think, to be fair to Juan Cuadrado, he's in an awful, awful spot there. It's either Luis Alberto gets a shot from right there, or he's forced to make a play to find Zacania. And to be honest, this backheel touch was absolutely sublime. That was a nice goal from Lazio. Yeah. Like we got violated on that goal by Alberto. Man. It's just like <sighs> Play up the flank. People are going at Sandro. You can't stop this. You can't stop the Man, That's you're not, not going to stop every ball. single cross from going in. Comes in. They made a run into the area deep, which actually did suck in one of our center backs. That was Gatti. Quadrado then gets stuck between two guys. People are yelling, well, why didn't Quadrado stay on his man's account? Well, then Luis Alberto would have just been able to rip one from right there. Blank spot. This was just a nice goal, everybody. 
It's a nice goal from Lazio. If Gatti communicates out a little bit sooner, holds a spot, we probably could have got out of there. But I'm also not going to fault him because it's a bang-bang play and you got to make a decision. Nice goal, man. And that touch, and even the finish was was nice. He slotted home uh, back post. Chesney was diving out that way, but it was just a nice goal. It sucked. It sucked, but uh, well worked from uh, Lazio. Anybody have anything else to add on this goal? I do. It's not really pertaining to Juventus, but Zaccagni is the only Italian player with 10-plus goals in Serie A this season. Wow. Should tell you a lot about the national team's attack. And Adrian Rabio is officially our top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Which tells you a lot about our attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I Credit mean, to the crazy horse, but my God, our strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they could hit, but like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Whoa, yeah. indeed. So, yeah. 56 minutes. Okay, this is three minutes after, like a couple minutes after, a pass behind our defense. Quadrado caught sleeping. Zakani buries again, but clear and obvious offside. Okay, so called back, kind of bails Juve out. Man, we have to make changes, and we do. And Quadrado after that was like unrecoverable. And you're just like, okay, he's got to come out. Danilo was supposed to get rest, but you know what? You got to do it. And Danilo comes on. We make a few other changes trying to save this match. Vlaovic is another change. Um, Not necessarily at that time, but we're making changes. 62nd minute. Sandro actually does well. Cuts inside the area. Pops the ball up. Vlaovic cannot direct this on target with the header. To be honest, um, none of the chances he had, I felt like really crazy about him missing like flat out missing target like even this header i was like you know what they're not super easy to convert do you guys agree or did you think he had some he should have done better with i agree but i still think he should have hit the target especially on that one he he wasn't even contested in the air he had enough time to at least get it on target i'm not saying score but you you try to force the keeper to make a save there absolutely yeah I actually think the header he had the first half, he could have uh, gotten on a little bit better with. This one, there was one he had in the first half that I thought he could have put on target that he he didn't. Yeah, I feel kind of the same. I think the one in the first half was easier for him to get over and head towards Mm -hmm. target. This one, I felt like it was a little bit, it was a weird trajectory too because he popped it straight up and then it's coming (laughs) straight down. It's kind of weird, but uh, either way, He's struggling. The only real time I could think of a moment that he made a fault in play to feet or error is we had a nice send ball for him that would have had him running at Romagnoli clear and he couldn't even trap the ball. Mm-hmm. He missed it completely and it went beyond. And I'm just like, that's kind of how things are going for Vlaovic right now. But he doesn't, he's not able to convert this opportunity on target. Then, like I said, we get more changes. 83rd minute. Chiesa looked raring to go, I gotta say. And, like, he showed some a couple of blasts in burst and speed and pace and going at. And I was like, man, we gotta start getting him involved. Because after he came on, he had a couple sequences. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we just weren't even going there anymore. And I'm like, you gotta get this guy involved. You have to get him involved. 83rd minute, he absolutely torches his man, crosses this one from deep, 
into a trailing run. You could see it a mile away. Fajoli doing everything right. He's on it, and he just can't put it on target. And he was choked. We were all choked. Fajoli could read it all over his face. He gets subbed off not too long after that for Miretti. And, uh, yeah, unfortunate there. Miretti comes on. He looks energetic, ready to go. But then he doesn't end up a progression where it should go. A ball to Di Maria on the flank as we made a cut and broke the lines in the midfield. He was absolutely roasted by Danilo and even Di Maria. Danilo was losing his mind on Miretti for not moving that ball where it should have gone. And you know what? That's a part of growing up. Growing up in this game and being at that level, every inch counts. And when you have the moment to progress that ball, you have to do that, especially when you're chasing the game. And I have no problems with what Danilo was doing and whatnot, but it kind of just shows me again that I I truly believe, and it's not a knock on Moretti, but, and I'm not using this one instance, but it's growing in matches. It's learning that. It's understanding and whatnot. And is Juve the place to necessarily do that? Because some fans were like, we keep putting him in these situations, these scenarios, and it's even harder for a young kid like that. And even Fajoli himself went to Serie B, went to Cremonese, had a fantastic season. And it took him how long into this season to really get integrate and rolling, right? I don't know. But this whole play with Moretti, does anybody have a problem with what Danilo did? No. Yeah. Definitely not. No problems with what Danilo did. Miretti, you know, is it going to be this backwards, people see it as a backwards move, sending him out on a loan or whatnot. But in these scenarios, you know, I think a loan might be best. The the hard thing is, like, if you look at his numbers, like, usually you send players on loan because they're not getting enough time to, like, mm-hmm. develop these. Like, Moretti, when he's been fit, has played, he's appeared in almost every game he could. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. missed, like, one game where, he, like, when he's been fit that he hasn't come off and come in. I mean, yeah. it's growing pains, but I feel like that amount of time and that amount of minutes that he's gotten here, like, you just can't – if it was like someone like Swole, I would agree. But the uh-huh. amount of minutes he's gotten in the competitions he's gotten, like, yeah, like he's not ready for them. But like those are so vital for him. Like, but that's all because of Pogba. If Pogba was fit, he wouldn't be playing. But I mean, you're right. But like that's that's like another timeline. Like he he's gotten those minutes. So it's like, you know, like next year, like we don't know who will be in that midfield, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean – I think, like, if I look at this, I, I agree with what Lou's saying in terms of he's getting the minutes, but I guess it comes down to what we believe about the pressure of the kit and the shirt at Juve and whatnot and these situations. And Miretti's, one of his strengths when you watch, when, like I said, we have a couple guys, and Lou mentioned Sule and whatnot. We have a couple guys that are clearly above the level of next gen and Mm. clearly stand out and are too big for next gen but they're just not quite there for the senior side right as far as Miretti goes and the minutes and everything he's still 
making some errors in some critical moments and the decisions aren't quite there. And I just feel like if that pressure is taken away and he's at a place where he can grow and it's not so highlighted or evident, like when he missed that opportunity clear in front of goal and allows himself to get caught from behind, not just one time in it from like eight yards out, it's moments like that. And then they get magnified because it's at Juventus. You know what I mean? Whereas if he's at, Somewhere he's going to learn is probably not so, so magnified, right? I see what you said, but like also too, like he could come back, like you know, next summer, and his technique could greatly improve. And it's like you know, like maybe he's like his his shooting, his finishing's gotten better. He's putting a little muscle on. Like he's like he's gotten a year older. You know, it it's hard. Like maybe now, like you'd be like, yeah, but like with these young players, like, they could jump at any moment. Like it's it's really like one of those things, like like Fajoli not getting any minutes and then getting a ton of minutes, like they could jump at any moment. So it's, it's really like, where do you believe the potential is? Like, is it, is the potential like so extraordinary that like you think that at some point once it taps, like once it hits, like how far away is it? I guess is what I'm trying to mm -hmm. say. Like, where's that potential and how far away do you think he is? It, it, it feels like Allegri thinks that obviously highly of him, but it's just, you know, like, where what the end of the season where do they think his trajectory is and i will say that i think juventus has done pretty good when it comes to the next gen however that is run the loans you know they've done really really good with the youth players yeah so yeah i mean if they send them out on loan like i guess i wouldn't complain about it because I, I trust the club in that regard but yeah i'd rather keep him with the first team that's my personal opinion i huh. even with the struggles i think here is the best place for him well, let's talk about, let, not to get overboard, but let's just give our uh, shots from, we'll shoot from the hip here. Lucci, would you loan mm -hmm. Moretti out next season based on so far where we're at? And obviously it could change before season's end, but right now, loan or keep? Um, just based on the names I think we'll have for next year, I'm keeping him. Keeping him? Okay. Yeah. Nick, keep or yeah. loan? I'm, I'm keeping him. Um, I think he doesn't need that much more. Um, the errors he makes, I think, are not necessarily technical errors. I think they're just um, youth errors. Um, mm -hmm. Those are errors I see guys in MLS Next U19 making. You know, simple ball out. I think having a guy like Danilo chirping at him, a legend like Danilo, is what he needs. Um, that's just there how I feel. And lose, keep, and I will be the unpopular opinion. And I'm okay with that. I'm used to being there, so it's good. You've been saying this for a couple of months, so like to your well, credit, like you yeah, like, like I just, like I just think it'll really, really benefit him, like it did, uh, but Joe, because I think people that see loans and think, oh, it's always a negative thing. We brought up Marco Piazza yesterday, who's been on Juve's list since like 2016. Okay, <laughs> that's a negative situation when there's like no hope. There's nothing like, you know, it's just, it's dead to rights there. He's not going to be integrated. He's not going to be a part of anything or whatnot. So for me, it's essentially like, you know what? Um, as far as loans go, it fits. It's up to the player. You know, you learn a lot about the player and you know whether he's going to get that integration or not. So it's not, if it's negative, it's because of the player not seizing the moment, Right. You've got Fajoli went out, seized the moment, fought for his right to stay in, got the job done. Rovella, Rovella's been out alone. He is definitely impressed. Also, for the Rovella hive out there, 
bagged his first goal in Serie A yesterday. It was an absolute beauty. Hell of a ball from Sensi, too. That uh, nice goal. But Rovella, Rovella's numbers, too, his stat lines in that game. And I know everybody's concerned about injuries and whatnot, but I'm telling you, like, bring this guy back. Let's put him in and, and see what's there. Yep. Last injury was at ankle knock, too. So not muscular things we're dealing with necessarily so i always give a little bit of leeway to players when it's knocks like that now to finish up this game we get a di maria opportunity breaking into the area i was screaming for him to shoot this ball okay and he plays it inside to chiesa there is a nudge from sergey malenkovich savage right there live on the spot i believed i i believed a pk was coming I will say that live on the spot. It wasn't until I watched the replay that I could see that maybe just maybe a little bit of light there, but I still think more often than not that gets called. But looking at it, I could see why not. Lucci, did you think it was a PK all day? I mean, this, this is it's a tough one because you do notice he, he does come into him like from behind. And again, we talked about this earlier, regardless of how soft or hard the, the contact is in the box, like I, well, I, I think what's interesting man. here is that nine times out of ten, anything from coming from behind yes, gets exactly. tends to get called like almost yep. everywhere on the pitch. Yep. Lou, did you think PK? Uh, yeah, I I thought there was enough to give away a penalty. It would have been yeah. a soft penalty, but I thought but, there was enough to like give away a penalty. But based on the first call, I'm in in the first half, the Milinkovic Savage goal. I I'm not surprised he didn't call it because that was yeah. fairly yeah. consistent. Yeah, but Nick, do your thing. Yeah, I think all the points you brought up are absolutely correct. Um, I think either one can be supportable here. Um, this is 50-50. Put 10 refs in a room, five say penalty, five say no penalty. Um, and going back again to the Sandro goal, and we said another one on Kostic, that high contact, Dibelo was not calling all game mm -hmm. um so credit yeah. to him for being consistent with that um so yeah keza has the advantage there um he takes the knock um more upper body um than lower body i think that was another key point here tripping a player um is much more much more obvious um than having this upper body contact where you don't really know if that truly threw the player off balance in an unfair manner um i also think malinkovic savage he wasn't really trying to challenge keza he more just kind of ran into the back of him which isn't necessarily um a point in his favor um but it it can be um just because you hit a player by accident also doesn't mean it's not a foul um true yeah. but don't you think he knows what he's doing there to throw keza off from having that shot like you throw off his whole momentum when you're contacting his upper body like it screws up everything yeah, so um, you can throw off – it's definitely okay to throw off that player a little bit. Every defender is trying to do that. Um, the fact that it's from behind, it, we're definitely pointing to, okay, maybe that's a penalty. If he kind of steps to the side of Chiesa or tries to establish his position from the side or mm -hmm. tries to get in front of him, then I'd say 100% no penalty there. Um, again, I think this is another case of Dibelo – saying the contact for him was negligible. And actually, looking at the replay, I don't think the ball was as close to Chiesa 
um, as we initially thought. I don't think Chiesa necessarily has a, a clear-cut, clean strike on it. I think he'd be stretching for it a little bit there, um, which is another factor. Did the attacker have the opportunity to play the ball? Um, if I think if that ball hits Chiesa, goes right to Chiesa, hits his feet, you know, we're looking at a different story. Um, and all the credit to Dibelo, too. He was in the perfect position to judge that contact. No other person on this earth could have made that decision, um, I think, better than him from where he was. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Five out of ten refs might call it, you know, and that's where we are. 2-1, it ends. To be honest, all the outrage, like I said at the start of the show to lead things off, I wasn't feeling it. I was more pissed off with us wasting yet another complete half of football like we did in the first half. That's mm -hmm. what frustrated me more than not getting calls. And you know what? Honestly, like calls that uh, just don't bother me. Like if we were on the opposite end of uh, Lazio's first goal or whatnot, I wouldn't be bothered. This one, I wouldn't want this one to get called against us. So I could kind of see why. And Dell's had that uh, same exact point. Hate having soft penalties called against us, so we're not going to complain about it. Ultimately, this team continues to have issues in the final third. But for me, my frustration was just us wasting a first half. Let's get your overviews of the game. And if you guys felt the same way, what you thought about it, is it more credit to Lazio or did Juve just completely waste uh, everything away and do obviously we know we continue to struggle offensively but we're starting off with lou on a quick recap then we're going to get to all our uh, post-match topics lou overview yeah i mean for me like you said like it's the first half is just disappointing it's it's almost like juventus thought oh we've beaten lazio twice this year we have their mo you know, nothing's going to change and uh credit to sorry he's done a really good job there and he had them ready they were they wanted more than us and they kicked the crap out of us in the first half so yeah yeah, and like I said, it's about game plans and it's about adapting and changing things up. And maybe the fact that Landucci was there and not Allegri played into things because Lazio didn't do what they did yesterday previously. Like mm -hmm. I said, they f there was nowhere to go in the middle of the park. Rabio, I thought, out of the three midfielders, was doing his best to try and get involved kind of everywhere. But Fajoli was really struggling to get into the game. Locatelli was almost ruled out completely, okay? Paredes came on. That's the best Paredes has ever looked for Juve, but again, you barely ever see it. So maybe that slap in the face with going with Barnechea a few times consecutively snapped him into maybe not wanting to continue to be embarrassed or whatnot, but whatever it was, he was actually making some deep passes when we were pushing, but it was too little too late to really measure it because Lazio had already let off right? Lazio was in protection mode. So take that with a grain of salt too. But maybe because Max wasn't there and we couldn't figure that out sooner that Lazio was absolutely flooding the midfield. And when we went to a perimeter, especially on a side, they just overloaded it and won the ball back and then moved from there. We just couldn't figure it out. Nick, your mm -hmm. overview um, quickly on this game, anything to add? No, I think overall, um, Solid, solid refereeing here, um, especially from VAR. Irati is considered the best um, 
VAR in the world by FIFA. Um, you know, some 50-50 calls. When, when you judge a referee's performance, um, I think you got to look at key match incidents, so goals and penalties, red cards, and those were all supportable calls. Yeah, so no issues there, just Juve essentially, uh, yeah, not getting the job done. Lucci, your overview? Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Lazio. They were good, but we just didn't show up. We didn't show up at all. We showed up for five minutes when we scored until we scored the goal, and then again back into our shell. Um, again, I thought, to be honest, I thought this was probably Fajoli's worst game of the season. He just got manhandled by that midfield, and hopefully that's a, again another growing pain, a learning a learning curve for him. Uh, it's tough to say who our best player was. Like that's how that's how bad it was. It well, was, let's get to it. Who would you yeah. name as man of the match? And everybody in the live chat, give us your man of the match. Um, I'm going to be quick with it. It was Rabio for me. It was just it was Adrian Rabio for me. If I had to if I had to pick one. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree on that. <laughs> hey, you know what? Props to you, Luke. Like, I don't like I like everyone else was so crap yesterday like Yeah. Yeah. He he had the effort. He was working, you know, hard everywhere all over the pitch. He was trying to get things going. Like I said, out of all our midfielders, he was the only one seemingly finding a way to kind of get involved there and whatnot. I also Scored our one goal, gave us hope. I don't know. Yeah, he was our only yeah. one. Di yeah. Maria faded in and out. We'll talk about player he performances too. For me, how did everybody see Di Maria in this game? I thought he was awful, to be honest. He had a half. good. The first half was a nightmare. I it was mean, shocking. He came alive when Chiesa came on late in the second half. Other than that, you couldn't even notice him. But yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a problem with Di Maria. Um, we talked about this in the chat, uh, Berto and I did, I think, midweek. It's against some of these bigger Italian sides, especially the ones that like defend the way Lazio and Inter and Roma do. Like yeah. They just disrupt the midfield so much that Di Maria comes so far back. And when he, when he uh, drops deep into the midfield... It's like it's like I was watching like Dybala again. Like Dybala used to have yeah. that issue too. He would have to drop so deep that like he becomes irrelevant, and it's neither their game. And I felt like that first half, like that was where he was. Like he just yeah. he was deep, and like when Di Maria is out of his groove, he goes he turns crap. Yeah, fat. like when and he I don't know, what that does too when he's got to move so deep, it actually leaves Vlaovic with nobody next yeah. to him. Nobody mm -hmm. to play off. Nobody to play. Like, he's he's alone. He's alone. And not just Vlaovic. Anybody. Like, they're alone. Di Maria is also not typically this role. He is a winger. He's a yeah. winger. Oh, no. He can play this role because he's a world-class player. He can do it. But this is a problem with his game. And I just... It looked like he was trying too much at certain times. He was trying to oh, beat yeah. every man instead of moving the ball. It was, it but in wasn't... the first half, I would say that was really highlighted. In the second yes. half, it was better. Because in the first half, he had an option to just lay one in front of Kostic right beyond the entire Lazio yep. line. And he waited and waited and waited, then tried a 1-2, almost like Vinicius did there the other day. 1-2 pass through. And it just gets stopped, and then they're just running right back. Because I'm like, man, mm -hmm. you had a simple pass to make. And I would have expected that from anybody, especially Di Maria. So yeah. he had an awful, awful first half. He grew into the second half. When but Kisa it was came in. by the time he hit danger levels, it was but that, too, I felt like too little, half, too late. 
especially yeah. after we scored the goal, like it opened up the match opened up a little bit more. And that's where he's like really, really good is when the match is like open like that. And he's able to, you know, break the lines, go on the counterattack, you know, take people on one V one. That's what he's really good. Like, and then Chiesa came in and really opened that thing. Yeah. Up. Cause he got more space when Chiesa came yeah. in, right? Like he was and able to, to carry the ball a bit more. Chiesa yeah. didn't care if there was three guys on him, four guys on him. Like he was in go mode and he was taking mm-hmm. them on and he was doing a hell of a lot of work on that flank. Now this brings up everybody was rip roaring about going into a four three three. And Nick, I gotta apologize. Man of the match was yours, Rabio as well. It has to be. Yeah. No, no other choice. Yeah. Yep. There you Sorry. go. We got now. <laughs> we'll get into the next up, which is everybody that was rip roaring about playing a four three three and having to go with it now because we see that offensively we continue to struggle and we just can't get it done i feel a certain way about this but we're going to kick this one off with lucci on a 4-3-3 is do we have to switch man i i want to say yes i just don't trust our back line to be able to handle it especially our fullbacks quadrado was awful yesterday worst i've seen him probably all year um i don't trust sandro on the left like who are you going to play you're going to play kostic as a left back Maybe. The only good thing is that I think it would help get Vlaovic more involved because, again, he was he was just he's just not looking good right now. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or we're yeah, we're going to we're going to bring up. Yeah, the back line is probably where it rests for me on a four, three, three. But exactly. If Gatti can keep playing solidly. How do we feel about, you know, Danilo on the left? even though it's not as preferred, but Bremer, Gatti, and then Quad on the right. See, I just don't trust Quadrado at right back anymore. Me like, either. I think in the wing back, he's at least, like, a little bit useful because he's good for, like, an odd goal. But, like, so the right do you back. Play, like, do you play Danilo on the right, Kostic as your attacking left back? Maybe? Uh, I'm no, not big on Kostic on a left back just because even as a wing back, when he's had to make that back line there, I see way too much dropped Coverage. If we went yeah. a four three three, uh, I guess you'd have it's, to play. You'd have to play Sergio at left back. You just would. Which again, yeah. So like, I'm with you guys. Like, I'm I'm a back. I think the back three is is useful. I think it helps Juventus a lot. I think yeah. he, Gatti can play so well in the back three is yeah. because it lets him be a little bit more free. And um, like, I don't hate the I, like. I don't love the back three. I should say, but it's right now. It's just. It's what we have to deal with it. So it's Leo saying Alexandro and Quadrado proved they're not up to it anymore. Anthony Trimboli saying that the back line is the issue, but likes Gatti and Bremer in the middle and go with Sandro Daniel on the left. I would absolutely not go Sandro as the left back. Yeah. Um it it just these these that's where the problem lies for me in feeling confident with a four three three. Nick. What do you think about the four three three? Would you make that change? So, are we trying to solve a defensive issue or attacking issue or just everything? More um, the attacking that. issue yeah. and getting these guys able to actually score more goals. Yeah. So, from attacking, I could see how that works, um, but I'm actually not too worried from a defensive um, point of view because knowing Allegri, I think this is what he's going to do in a four three three. Whoever is on the left wing, all right, let's say it's Keza, um, 
when we're holding in a defensive formation, it's going to become a 4-4-2, I think, or mm-hmm. even a 4-5-1. I think those wings are going to be reinforced by the winger playing on the left and then whoever we have in the right midfield. Um, so I'm not worried defensively. Um, and an attacking point of view, um, I'm not. I, I'm not really sure. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head on um, how that will fix any issues. I think we're gonna have the same thing. We're dropping back in a four-four-two. Now what? Our guys isolated. How are we gonna solve that issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it it it's funny because in theory, how we're set up now should have more support for the striker, but it doesn't play out that way part of it is the absolute free roam play that some guys that play that second forward role take like Di Maria when Milik is up there he plays and it actually helps the team overall because he's strong in the whole like he's strong in all areas and he actually moves a lot he doesn't stay planted centrally and up top he will drift out he will get involved. He find ways. That is guy. That's what veterans do. They know how to get involved, get in the game. We're at a crossroads right now, I believe, with Dusan Vlaovic, because if you keep going the way you're going now, this is clearly not working, and it's taking a toll. The guy has deactivated from Instagram completely. I don't know if it's because of uh, hateful remarks from fans. I sure hope not, because that's absolutely unnecessary. There's no reason anybody needs to attack these people on social media. Um, I mean, ultimately, like nobody walks into your job and starts verbally abusing you or whatnot for the job you do. I hope not anyways. Otherwise, well, you guys need doesn't to reconsider, you reconsider yeah. your career choices or whatnot. But it, it's it's overboard. It's overboard for fans to take to that level. Now, I don't know if that's 100% what happened. And I heard that he had shut down comments on any of his stuff for a long time. But I don't know if that's true either. Regardless, it's a sign that there's obviously it's taken its toll on Dushan. With Chiesa and Di Maria out there, you saw Lazio had to, they had to kind of, stay true and stay honest to the threats everywhere. But we ended up seeing Milik in there as well. All right. And I can't help but feel all of a sudden we had more of a push. We had more threat. We were stretching them out. Is that going to help Dusan Vlaovic? The flip side to this argument is that we saw it and the Trident wasn't much better, to be honest. Like it wasn't exactly going crazy. Was that because we didn't give it enough time? Was it because there's still not enough guidance from the coach and figuring things out? Like, what is the problem with this team offensively? And what do we need to do to get Vlaovic going? Or will we simply not get Vlaovic going? Uh, to, to start, I think the Vlaovic thing, I put this in the chat yesterday too, like in our, our team chat. But there's a really great quote from uh, Alan Shear. He was doing an interview, and they asked him like, "How do how do strikers, you know, break funks?" And he was like, "To break a funk, like you have to do the little things." And I think in like another interview right after that, people in Zagi said the same thing. Like you have to work on like you have to you know work on your touch, you know, your hold up play, things like that. And I think that Vlaovic, you know, like while he is isolated a lot, and sometimes we don't play to his strengths it's like the little things that he doesn't do very well in certain matches. His hold-up play can be really suspect. He doesn't really create much. Um, 
vice versa, we see someone like I saw Erlen Holland in an interview, I think after he scored his five goals, they asked him like, Hey, how can you get any better than this? And he was like, I could get a lot better. My holdup play is not good. Like my passing's not good. Like, you know, when you're a young striker, like you need to understand that a little bit more. Milik, as you mentioned, Berto, like does that really well. I think to his credit, no one really wants to say it. I think Keane's improved a lot in that aspect. His whole uh -huh. play's gotten better. His runs have gotten a little bit better. His passing's gotten a little bit better. Like, you it's know, work right. Yeah, work right. So I think that for Vlaovic, it's about like getting back to basics. And a lot of the post-match you read from Allegri when he's asked about Vlaovic is that it's like get to the basics, right? Do the little things, right? Because if you're not scoring goals, if you're like affecting the team in a positive way, you know, that would help you. As far as your question about the attack, I would like to see if Chiesa could play 60, 70 minutes. I don't know where he's at, but I would like to see the formation we saw in the first leg against Nance again. Unfortunately, that probably means you have to drop Fajoli, which would be a shame. But if you could get, you know, Kosic, Chiesa, Vlaovic, and that is like uh, not to cut you off, Lou, but that is kind of what Anthony was saying about the three, four, yeah. two, one, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. It's like if you could get the three of them on the field, I thought Vlaovic in that span was looking a little bit like himself. Chiesa is more of a second striker to him. Di Maria can come deep, play kind of that role that Pogba was supposed to play this year. You know, he drifts a little bit wide. There's a little bit more freedom. You have two intelligent players who don't really need that, like, you know, hey, this is what you need to do with the ball. Like, when you get it here, here's your positioning. That, like, strict tactical awareness. Mm -hmm. it, the, the problem is, it's just, like, where is Chiesa? Like, can he do that? Can he do that for one game? I mean, yeah. we just don't know. Yeah. So. It's interesting. It's interesting. Three, four, two, one. I'm not against it. I think my only knock when we saw it was that Losing that third midfielder for stability, we opened ourselves up to counters a lot. So I do, yeah. there's concerns, but then I think about this too. There's concerns in every setup that we go with, yeah. but we're at a point now where, and this is where the question really comes in. And this is going to hit Lucci and Nick on this one. Can we afford to go with something else to take that risk when everything is so important now, especially the fact that the next game is sporting. Do you bail out on what you've been doing to this point based on one loss against Lazio where, to be fair, I believe a lot of our guys were flat. Mm -hmm. So is it worth it? Is it worth it right now to make that switch going into a game against Sporting? Nick, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a matter of high risk, high reward, but I think it's very simple here. Our coach is Max Allegri. He's not a risk taker. He's going to put his head down and keep working. There you go. So he does not expect changes. Lucci, would you make the change? Is it too risky? I I was all for this, you know, this change months ago. Now I just, I don't see it happening so late in the season. So many games, back-to-back, -back, important games as well. Um, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm with Lou and, and Vlaovic, you know, struggling to do the little things. And like the thing that, really gets me upset with him is that you know when he doesn't receive a ball or when a ball's not perfectly put into him he's he's given Kostic or whoever else he's giving them shit where like he's covered by four guys you got to move man you know that's part of your your strike role you got to get open you got to find spots areas where you can you know find little gaps I just I just don't see him doing that 
And whereas, you know, we saw yesterday, even though Milik came in, he didn't do much either, but he was moving. You know, he was getting into little pockets, little one-twos with Di Maria, trying to do those little things. I need to see that from from Vlaovic if we need to, if he, he's going to continue to start, which, listen, I'm not sure that's the best route um, for Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Bert, to, to your question for Thursday, Sporting, it's a really quick team. They hit the counter really fast. Yeah. So... Oh. If they're going to try it, like sporting might not be the game to do so. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, sporting is going to be very, very tough um, right now. I would have loved to go in it like feeling much better about our offense. And this is the thing. We've been saying this for a while now. Like our offense, it's got to get going. Has to get mm-hmm. going. Are we at a point right now where it's hurting us to start Dushan Vlaovic? I kind of want to say yes. Nick, are we at a point where it's hurting us starting them? I think yes, only because of Allegri tactics. He can't adapt to the tactics. I, but I, but I think ultimately it's not entirely him. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's entirely yeah. him either. But really him because like the intergame, yeah. I thought you know like while there were chances that he wasted, he was isolated for a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even yesterday, there is the one mistake uh, Rabiot made yesterday. He overhit a ball to Vlaovic. Vlaovic made a run. He was clear in. He overhit a ball to him. And that right there is like, when you look at Vlaovic, you feel bad for him a little bit. Because you're like, if it's any, like, if it's a creative player, it's a Di Maria, it's a Pogba, like, that ball is perfect, right? He's probably going to score a goal. Like, let's... Like and and this is one of the things too. So it's it, I feel like we're in this crossroads for Juve, and it's very very difficult because I don't think Vlaovic is going to snap out of this thing the way we're going, unless we drastically change how we use the personnel on the pitch. And this goes into yesterday's game perfectly too because we talked about the good things Lazio were doing, mm-hmm. but what did we do to change that up? Very rarely. Were we switching the field properly and just to get over there to take advantage of them overloading a flank? If they're going to overload a flank like that, you play it up to your flank, Quadrado, whoever, Kostic on the opposite side, you play it back, but then you switch field quickly after they've shifted for that overload. We did that a few times. When we did, we actually gained that field quite nicely. And when Vlaovic was moving out to the corners a couple times, we would try to play it over the top get to him just to try and gain that space. Those were the right ideas. But it's like Juve does this a bit and then just kind of stops. They just kind of stop. They'll start doing something that's working. It's like, okay, yeah, that's how you're going to gain that space. And then from there we can move, we can build forward. But they don't keep doing that. We like continue to try and go into the areas that Lazio just had shut right down. It was frustrating. It was very, very frustrating. I think there's still a lot for us to figure out from a team aspect mm-hmm. and game plan aspect. Yesterday, I don't think lots or Juve adapted right at all to take advantage of because there's going to be spot. You can't just... I see this team as a team that this is what we do and doesn't break away from it. Do you guys yeah. see them in the same? Yep. I think that's how they're drilled to to operate under Max. It's very one-dimensional for me. Yeah, but I always feel like once 
like Max's kind of thing, like even thinking back to his first stint, like once he gets like a successful way of playing, like that's just like, he goes with like what works. It's like, remember in his last season when he like Dybala got hurt for X amount of games, right? And they went with Bernardeschi in the 4-3-3 and like everyone was like, hey, how do you find like balance with like your best players? And it's like, if it's working for him, he just keeps going, right? At the end of the yeah. season, he'll restart, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's just like once it's working, like he just sticks with it. And there's good things, there's bad things. Like there, there are some results. I mean, we've climbed up the table even to get close to the top four after the penalty is ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's also this thing where it's like, hey, we could do so much more. Um, it's it's weird. It's 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 a hard it's a hard thing to like swallow because it's like, hey, like this team's done really well, but like what more? that they could do more like the like the inter game like they they pressed for the first 20 minutes inter couldn't get their ball or half and they just stopped like why you know but i think it's like you said like they're drilled to just kind of like go back into that pragmatic like protect see out the half and then start again yeah and Ramel says why don't we talk about how serbian national team uses dushan vlaovic well I believe the Serbian national team doesn't stray too far from how Juve lines up. I believe they usually play in a 3-4-2-1. Vlaovic doesn't always play as that one because of Mitrovic, though, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because he does kind of play as one of the twos that are kind of behind sometimes. Sometimes, not always. And sometimes he will be the number... Uh, play as that top uh, striker there but I don't know that you also look at the last team what who's the last team he scored against Montenegro so it's not exactly the most difficult challenging opponent internationally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people are acting like Serbia is like reinventing the wheel tactically over there right? yeah like there's nothing crazy about what they're doing and people that want to go back to Fiorentina as well Teams play a lot different. If you go back to Dusan Vlaovic highlights, he had a lot of fast breaks with Fiorentina. Lots he scored space. a lot of penalties too, because they were getting PKs and whatnot. Like it's it's all different, but one way yeah. or another, whether he's doing it with Serbia, whether he's doing it with Fiorentina, whatnot, when he comes here, it's still not all just simply on Juve and Max Allegri. It's a Juventus problem big time because we spent a lot of money on him. But Vlaovic, you've got to find a way. You've got to I find think. a way. Like I said, Keane and Milik don't exactly light the lamp by any means. But there's other intangibles. There's other little yeah. things like Lou brought up that they are doing. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I also know one point. This might get me some flight. Lucci, you're going to hate this. But... I think last year when Vlaovic was scoring goals, right? Morata, Dybala, like those, like they could play that center forward, that number 10 kind of like second striker for Steve Maria, mm -hmm. like so deep. I feel like that Vlaovic misses that Dybala like partner. Like one of the things with him leaving is that that partner stays close to him, like Mitrovic for Serbia. Yeah. And I think that that, that helps. So it's like, I, I feel like Juventus, like when they. Like they don't have that anymore, and Vlaovic is isolated too much. Is what I'm doing that. To argue the opposite of that, Lou, like we've like, seen, we've seen Vlaovic start or play with Milik, and I think even Keen once or twice. How come, like, 
we don't we don't notice much of it. It actually looks even worse when he's playing with Milik or Keem. I'm going to take I, a quick uh, sec to let everybody know now's the time. Get those Storm the Barn questions in, okay? And you guys keep rolling here, Lou. Respond I don't think Milik could do that role. Like, I think well, like, you're comparing Morata to Milik. It's kind but of Mar similar. Morata can do that role. Morata could play as a winger if need be, right? Like, Mario Mandzukic could do that role. But I don't think Milik can. Also, to be fair, Vlaovic was scoring goals when he was partnered with Milik at the start of the year. And then he was he was he scores goals when Di Maria plays closer to him usually. A lot of the yeah. games like if you look at like if you look if you look at the, like the games he struggles the most in, he's isolated a lot. That doesn't yeah. excuse the holdup play. That doesn't excuse like the Aaron passes, the bad touches. But in terms of just like chances, things like that, like he gets isolated a lot. And against good teams, it's really easy to take him out. Yeah. Right. Well, that, like that again. That that's frustrating because like people are saying it's all Allegri's fault. Dusan's not playing no, well. And, no, no, no. I, I know, but I'm saying like we're we're standing up for Dusan, or certain fans are. But then when it comes to Malik or Keen having a bad game, it's all oh, they're terrible. They they suck. We should never play yeah. them. They should be sold. No, like, I, we got to have some kind of you know similarities here. You can't just blame you can't just blame the coach for everyone's failures. And you can't just blame the players for their failures. So totally, I agree. It's not. You know? It's not. All, it's all. It's not all Max. It's not. It's not all Vlavic either. I think that like I don't think like a really good player just totally falls away. I think he's right. gotten exposed a little bit. I think, you know, I think that's that's evident that there's clearly weaknesses in his game. But I just think but, that. Sorry, just to like so ahead. far into this season, don't like. Dusan knows what's needed in this setup, in this lineup, and what Max is looking for. Would you not try to work on those things and improve so you can I, help the team, whether that's scoring or not? Like, just try to help the team. I do agree. And, I feel and, you like know, you see that's what that's what bothers me. Like, listen, yeah. I want Dusan. People think I hate Dusan. That's not the case. We spent a lot of money on him. I want oh. him doing well. It's just like we need to see more. It's it. That's what it comes down to. I, I, I agree. Like I thought, like the his performance at the San Siro against Inter was really, really good. The, you know, obviously he didn't score a goal. His touches were better, but like mm -hmm. the work he did for the team was very good. And that's where I was like, hey, like I'd like to see more of that, right? But I think like if you take like the Nance game at home, which I think he scored when Chiesa was playing next to him, I thought he had a really good game in that yeah. game. Yeah, right. Chiesa is a little bit more direct. He could actually kind of play that second striker role. That's another yeah. thing. You know, it's, I, it's, I mean, I the feel other like, that, again, we're so. going to be in this scenario where, and if we think about this, this is not unfamiliar territory for Juventus. I feel like we constantly get ourselves in these scenarios where we're sacrificing something, yeah. but it kind of makes sense for us to be in this spot right now when you've had managerial changes as much as we have in these past few years because you haven't locked into anything mm -hmm. you haven't locked into anything and you're picking up players you're doing things and there's been so much change of face that and now when you talk about lack of contingency planning and stuff too like we're caught between what do we go with do we go with this are we better off in this scenario and there's going to be question marks of these roles like even di maria like i said at, earlier on the show second forward well he plays it he takes he interprets that role free reign and another guy like milik when he plays up there doesn't so 
what what is better for Juventus? What is better for Vlaovic? I don't think it's the same. Right. And I think what's better for Juventus ends up being who's in form. What's better for Vlaovic, I think, is somebody that plays closer to him, that can actually help him and not leave either one of our guys stranded. So now all of a sudden the argument completely changes because people will see it as why, how on earth can you leave Di Maria out of a big game or whatever? Okay, but don't expect a lot out of Vlaovic because it hasn't been clicking and it's not working. So maybe if you say, I want Di Maria out there, maybe Milik's the guy to be up there because he can do more when isolated. Fair. Fair Still struggles, but I think we're caught in this. We're trying to make everybody happy. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I think to your point, like Max, like, if it's working one way, like he's not gonna move off of it. And right. maybe you could say like he probably shouldn't move off of it if it's working. Like yeah, I want to so, start this next one with uh, Nick here. So Nick, this is from Carlo, okay, uh, Garnese, who uh, is they're friends of the show. Okay, these guys with the Italian football podcast, they do a great job. And Carlo is no stranger to. St- firing things up on uh, Twitter and whatnot with uh, posts and comments and stuff. So this is essentially him uh, yesterday after the match. And uh, he basically says, Juventus are on course to hit 77 points this season. This is with their 15 points back. That is still less than what Pirlo got in his only season. Don't let anyone tell you Allegri has improved Juve. He hasn't. And the last three games, Juve have returned to their worst under Allegri. We're all in now on Europa League. Nick, let's get your reaction first to this before we go around the horn. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely agree with it. Um, at least most of it. I, I think Allegri has at least brought some consistency, in, especially in the tactics. Whether we agree with them or not, we think they're working or not. He's at least consistent and has this clear philosophy. Whereas with Sadri and Pirlo, we didn't have that. We had all these constant changes and we didn't know what was going on. Um, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. A lot of us probably have opinions on whether Pirlo should have been fired or not. Should we have brought back Allegri? We can talk about that all day. Um, ultimately, I agree that Allegri is not really getting the job done. Pirlo, I think, did the best he could possibly do, and it was unfair to switch things up on the team, not even just for Pirlo's sake. Just make another managerial change, as you said before, Alberto. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we're, I think we're fortunate this year. I think the key perception here is that with Pirlo, we barely made top four based on what other teams were doing. Whereas if we get the minus 15 back, we're still in second place. So the perception is we are doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so for context to Carlos tweet, cause there's, there's a lot that's there. Like Nick, really good point. Like, we barely scraped the top four. You know, like fourth place to second place this year, you would say is an improvement, even though they got crushed by 15 points to Napoli, who's just Napoli's so much better than everyone else. The rest of that top four is crap, you know. But like, that's the other thing is like, 
is Juventus in second place because like they're just that much better than everyone, or is it like second place because the other teams are also like kind of yeah? Let's be honest, they stink. Like Inter yeah. has gotten a result in the league in like seven games in a row. Both teams dropping points the other day against yeah. teams fighting for relegation. So I don't really, well, I can't really say it's us. Lazio and Roma have had really solid seasons, but like. Mm-hmm. Would they be where they're at if it wasn't for, you know, kind of all the chaos of the bigger clubs? I mean, there's right. a lot there. I do think I saw uh, Albanese had a tweet. We tweeted it from the main this week. It was, you know, like there's a lot of talk about how much Sarri has improved Lazio. And he was kind of retorting and said, well, the, the things that Max is going for him, I think the players he listed, it was like Gatti, Sandro, although after this match, I don't know if Sandro counts there. Fajoli uh, <laughs> was one. Um, it was like, yeah, we, we talked he, about a pre-match. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah. You know, so yeah. So it's like, so do you take I mean, that? Okay. Like there's some grain of salt, like Max also like, it, it's hard because I don't actually know like what the club's identity will be going forward. We don't even know, like Max effectively is our president. Like the guys in I, charge are in terms, like they really I f- are. I feel like honestly, it just, we've improved in some areas and we've also taken a hit in some areas yeah. like it's offensively we've never been close in the two years of max that we were with uh pirlo yeah like offensively under pirlo i felt like we could get a goal at any moment yeah, and yeah. granted great point from nmesh yeah we we had cristiano okay so yeah okay but, he also didn't have as strong a midfield as we have right now because that's probably been our best midfield over these past years of transitioning. Like, whether we like to admit it or not, Rabio Locatelli Fajoli is the best three that we've seen in terms of how they play mm-hmm. uh, together and as a unit. So I can't help but think how things would be in that scenario. But again, Pirlo's team also defensively struggled mightily, like yeah. heavily. Because we conceded at awful moments. Uh, we had lapses all over the place. And mentally, you can make the big argument that mentally, we have been the strongest this season after the Retiro and after everything. Now, people will still, because again, narratives here, everybody, and what people feel and what they believe. Was it Max that brought the team together? Was it the 15 points penalty? Could be both. Was it Max that helped Fajoli along, or was it the injuries that had him coming in, and then all of a sudden he couldn't deny him? Hey, but, but I would like to say this about the the the, the fifteen point penalty. Like, if you remember, like when we got that penalty, right? Like the first person to speak on it was Max. Max was the only he was the only representation from like upper hierarchy. Like the whole time, like you listen to his interviews. Like I report the majority of his interviews yeah. from our. He's up there talking about how we're in second, we earn second place, you know, but here's the reality. It's one game at a time. Like the mentality thing, like he deserves credit for that. Like, yeah, I need it when fans just like, listen, I'm not happy with some of the tactics either. I don't think we get the best out of certain players, but like you can't deny that like the mentality he helped create, right? That team is the of leadership those players are like they looked lost in the first half of the season yeah i'm not um i'm not sold on moving forward with max but i'm also not going to take away credit for what we've done we're at a point and weaker syria everything like this and whatnot nonetheless 
we're at a point with almost the 15 points not even recoup where we can get in to the top four like it's got to be commended with and the injuries like there's been a lot going on okay got to give them a bit of credit here uh and i will i will give them credit they say like they're like oh like he won't play the young players too and but then he's like quoted saying like hey next year we want to debut nine of them yeah it's like i i don't know i don't know it's uh it's it's anybody like i said right now i feel also too we get sometimes we get away from what happens on the pitch and start to go overboard and sometimes it's like we were doing fine and even when you look at some of these losses they're they suck and there's frustrations amongst those losses but it's not as drastic i feel so it's like nobody had a problem for a long while here 352 you lose a game got to get out of this 352 it's this 352 well is it or is it that we just didn't adapt to what Lazio was doing and it took us way too long to get engaged in this game is mm-hmm. it the fact that we don't have case available for more than half an hour right now at this point? Like there's a lot of what ifs, but again, we just, the losses hurt and they sting and we always look for answers immediately. We are going to wrap up with this storm, the barn. I've got an Easter egg hunt to get to with the ladies. Okay. So we got to shut this thing down. If Vlaovic continues to play like this for the rest of the season, would you sell him? Who's your dream replacement? Nick, if he continues like this, do you sell him? No. Oh, faith from Nick. So we don't even need your dream replacement. You stick with them, right? Absolutely. Okay. And also, from practicality point of view, who do you, unless you get some crazy $150 million offer in the position the club's in, who do you get? Who are we yeah. going to get? It's not practical, in my opinion. Good point. All right. Even- no practicality. Lucci, if he continues like this, sell him. Is Max the coach next season? I think a I'm lot of say, factors yes. play into this. Let's say yes, because I, I think it's looking he will. I think if Max stays, Dusan has to leave. Not only for the team to to be, be to be better, but also for Dusan to hit his his potential. His replacement. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Juve tried to go after Skamaka. I feel like that's more of a hold up Max, you know back to goal type oh, of player. Yo, 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 yo. Okay, okay. Uh, Lou, <laughs> would, you, would you sell him if he continues I, like this? I'll follow that up. Uh, <laughs> um, Skavakia. Uh, Too many tattoos for you, but don't forget that. I think if a good enough author comes in, you have to take it. But a lot well, of that's what's, good. What's good enough? And like, let's remember, we're saying if it like, continues like this for the remainder of the season, still quite a few games remaining and everything. So if it continues like that, for me, if a strong offer came in and Max is still our coach, I think, yeah, you, I think you got to take it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because what are we doing? Are we running the risk of losing even more value? Yeah. Julian Alvarez is the dream replacement, by the way. Whoa. Yes, Alvarez. Oh, is I didn't know we were being dream. unrealistic oh, here. Jeez. Everybody, <laughs> I hope you guys all enjoy a uh, uh, great Easter for all that applies to. And everybody, uh, Lucci, amazing. Arbitro Nick, so happy to have you with us today, giving the great explanation straight out of the Thank rule book. Lou does an amazing job for anybody that's not following us on Twitter. Get over there. This guy. 
I, I don't even understand how he tracks the news so fast. Whenever I've had to fill in, I'm like, how the hell does he do this? It's unbelievable, okay? Um, great, great stuff. Thank you, brother, for all the hard work you put in. It's, we got to get you on the shows much, much more. Everybody else, hey, let's forget about this. The therapy session's over. We start to focus <laughs> immediately on sporting, and that is going to be a very, very tough one. Are we going to change formations? Are we going to go away from Vlaovic up top? Hey, who knows? But we're going to track everything starting tomorrow when I bring you the daily news updates. All right. Everybody take care. As always, drop a like, please subscribe to the channel. And we will see you tomorrow for the daily update video. As always, fino alla fine. Forza Juve. Ciao tutti. Take care. Yeah.